0: Welcome, investigator. Evil is on the rise. Crime is escalating. Our mission is to eliminate the crime by exposing evil, examine why it manifests,
1: and highlight the brave souls that confront it every day. Join us as we work together to bring justice to every victim. Welcome to All Things Crime. Here's your host, Jared Bradley.
2: So you know, what he did is, and I'm not aware of any other... Pathologists who, or uh, medical examiners wow. who do this, but he always took two two rape kits. So one of them he would use for doing you know various kinds of tests. And back in the day, really the only tests that were available were things like looking at enzymes or looking at blood groupings. I mean, it's all in hindsight, it's pretty crude. And then his the other kit he would just put in the freezer and never use it for anything. So actually when he um, he asked me to send him a signed copy of my book, I said, when did I I put in it? Thank you for saving us a DNA sample. Yeah. Because this had been sitting there for 38 years. Nobody had ever touched it.
0: Am I correct in saying that was the sole sample that really connected the entire event, the entire GSK? Well,
2: Well, what it was, it was a pristine sample. So we do what's called a call rate on, you know, when we're processing the DNA, what the lab does. And so what they're looking for is they want all of the SNPs that you would expect to be there. You want at least 95% or even better, 98% of those to be there. And I think the call rate on this one was something like 98%. I have a case right now that I'm working on where the call rate's only 85%. And it makes it very difficult because you've got pieces of the genome missing, they could be significant pieces for you know matching with particular people, and it just causes all kinds of problems, but this was absolutely pristine DNA it was it was amazing
0: yeah. it
2: really was so he just saved it for us
0: yeah if I recall it was like an early 70s sample maybe seventy seven and I know mm-hmm. about thousand nine hundred and eighty three is when the the sexual assault kits started becoming standardized, and I think his was from a homicide, which maybe changes the yeah, it, was you know. a, it was a
2: rape homicide. Yeah, so right. it was. It was actually thirty-eight years old. Yeah.
0: Wow. And then I, I know uh, GSK over sixty victims on that. Fifteen homicides. I, I, I write about it, my numbers on that. So.
2: So there, yeah, there were over a hundred <sighs> burglaries. There were uh, over fi- or at least fifty rapes and thirteen murders that that we're aware of. So of course, the big question is, did he really stop?
0: Yeah, that that big dearth of time in between i can recall something happening in south florida the ski mass rapist at the time and the same uh, just incredible amount of resources that were devoted to that and the guy was doing essentially the same thing and they actually got him on latent fingerprints later on uh, amazingly because that was something that always haunted me as a kid like how did they put this case down or whatever happened to him or did he just move and i, I recently figured that whole thing out and very undramatically it just they, they matched him to fingerprints and that was it it was over with so this is uh, a, a close parallel with that, but that's the, the, mm-hmm. the thing from my youth that I remember.
2: Well, I have another serial rapist case that I worked on. It was the Clearfield Rapist, which was actually out of Utah. It was out of Clearfield, Utah. And so this guy was a long-haul trucker. And at the time that I was brought in to work on the case, there were nine known rapes that had been connected using DNA. And so I was able to identify this guy. It was another of those cases with all kinds of weird twists and turns in it. But then even after he was arrested, they discovered that what he had done is he had actually changed trucking companies so that he could change his truck, trucking route. So he had been doing what is it, the I, I-80? Wyoming, Idaho, Utah. Mm-hmm. And he changed it to instead drive out to the West Coast and up the West Coast. So he was somebody else that looked like he had stopped. That The nine were it. After they arrested him, started you know, realizing where he had been, checking with folks out on the new trucking route. There have been a couple of confirmed, but he's now res- known to be responsible for several more, not only rapes, but also homicides. Wow. So he did not. He just changed his trucking route.
1: It's oh, incredible how many... Uh, I don't I don't know if you know, Detective Lindsay Wade, but I do. Oh, okay. Well, she's uh, she's just written a book and I interviewed her earlier, but she was talking about how many cases could potentially be solved. If we just got all of the the people that are currently sitting in prison, if we made more of an effort of uploading all of their DNA samples, which they're supposed to have anybody Mm -hmm. that's a felon their DNA is supposed to be loaded into the CODIS database. And mm-hmm. uh, but there's thousands and thousands of them that haven't. And, mm-hmm. you know, to to your point, how many rapes and murders could be solved if investigators all over the country just had a reference sample? If, mm-hmm. if there was actually felon DNA sitting in the CODIS database, how many more cases could be immediately solved? And then, you know, as a businessman, I'm always looking at ways to make things more proficient in my company and you know how, how many millions of man hours have been wasted right. um, throughout you know the last 10 or 20 years that could have been mm-hmm. solved if people on the other side of the country had just uploaded some database and then you find this trucker that right. uh, you know travels across the country and and rapes people all along the way you know <laughs> just kind of an example of you know the power of dna but but also, I don't know, it, it's, it's kind of government work. And so mm. we, we don't expect it to be overly proficient, but at the same time, you're like, geez, come on, really? Let's, um, let's, let's uh, get on the team effort here and, and upload all of this, all of this DNA because
0: it has potential to solve a lot more cases. Mm-hmm. No, you're absolutely right. It was Lindsay, was she the one who put, the Ted Bundy DNA into Codis. Am I right on that? Yeah, That's stunning. Yeah, stunning that that doesn't happen. Yeah, and there's also a movement to prevent the use of you know genetic material to for casework, which is also stunning, equally stunning. I have this theory that the folklore boogeyman stories and things like that; these are these stranger homicides that happened, and the, everybody that I talked to, the hundreds of people. I can go across the country. I was out out west on a trip and they have some kind of connection to a missing or murdered person. And these guys mm-hmm. are just everywhere. Yeah. And yeah. And so once you work this stuff, you never walk away from it because it's just, you know, it's a, a true pandemic, I guess you'd say, a national tragedy with uh, what's going on out there. And, and Jared, you spoke to it, right? It, I'd say not only the people in prison that they could match to, what about the deceased serial killers or, or think about, you know, Ted Bundy case in point, but there's a couple, uh, you know, Florida, man, but there's, there's quite a few that have uh, operated down here. Like how many are open out there that could be solved this way?
2: Mm-hmm. So talking about Lindsay Wade, Lindsay actually was a very early proponent of using IgG. We actually worked on some cases pre-GSK. So we, of course, had the same problem that we had with GSK, which was getting SNP profiles And so I actually talked to Bennett Greenspan at Family Tree DNA. And so she had two cases, the Welch case and the Bastion case. And they were both little girls, rape homicides, really brutal. And so we actually got SNP profiles. We only were able to get one on one of the cases. I'm now not remembering which one it was. And uh, we actually were able to, it was just as Lindsay was, was retiring, which was really unfortunate. And so... I'd identified who a suspect was just as a new detective came in. And back then, I, I, in fact, in all the early cases that involved a perpetrator, I asked to remain anonymous. And so in that case, and the, actually the identification of Rasmussen, and then of course, GSK, I uh, asked to remain anonymous. But Lindsay was very much in the forefront with with using ITG.
1: Yeah. Well, there's so many folks just like you, Barbara, that are just out there that are just brilliant and you know god bless you because who knows how many cases will be solved in the future based on the the effort and the work that you put in so uh, tom
0: you you got anything else no just a summary statement i I, you know i love this work and once you're exposed to it once you see that and, and uh say also that that innovative approach that somebody comes from i said the civilians on the other side or somebody just says well you know there's a database for blank or they keep fingerprints on hand for this and you're like "No, oh, how, how would i know that well i used to work as whatever you know a hairdresser in the military whatever it was and these things are solved or somebody's just having a different id they look at something i'm sorry a different mindset they look at something and they say well you know this is i, I used to work those kind of cars it, I, I can tell you right now that what they had, and something solved that quickly and yeah I, I'm just amazed every day by something new that I learn or a different way that somebody puts something together. I'll leave it w- with one story I, I recall towards the end of my career there we had somebody in Maryland and up in Pennsylvania as well. They had CODIS hit very similar, like you said, brutal rapes. They kidnapped a child each time. We had a CODIS match to two of those, and I believe a third CODIS match out to one that took place in the line over into Maryland over here. So it was just in the very early stages, probably case 30 or maybe 40 or so on the genetic uh, workup. And my counterpart, she was getting ready to try and do something like that. Somebody said, well, why don't we try doing the fingerprints? Because they have next generation identification, which was a an improvement to the APHIS latent fingerprint. She resubmitted and got a hit. Amazingly, That's simple. And you're talking about like huge amount of expenditure. And then in the same vein, uh, it makes me think, and my mind starts to wander on these things. Who's working these people after you put the case down? Who's following up with these people? And you know, because everybody's works their own enclave, their own jurisdiction. And then maybe you have mm-hmm. the FBI, but if you're not getting a return on investment, how long can you work those open hole cases where you just you're not getting a return on investment for it? So there is no methodology to it, like you said, Jared, very adroitly with the with the re- the business and the efficiency on it. Who, who's going to get the reward for it? Who's going to get the additional funding? That's a problem. That's a problem. So we have the ability, apparently, to really curb some kind of the forensic science. And I, I am a bit editorializing here. There was just a, a case that was pushed out for tool marks saying you can't say in it was out of Maryland you can't say that that weapon belongs to that bullet to the exclusion of all others you have to say it's consistent with well that's sort of impeding on that so we have the ability apparently to challenge science in that respect but what about the other side man we're leaving open open gaps out here that these things can be solved and and we all know the people that work this that leopards don't change their spots these guys are are killers and Barbara I do recall what you said on on the summary about GSK and how you felt about him and we all feel the same way I think it would be almost everybody does and the methodology and what what he did with putting the plates on the on the victims chests and mentally mm-hmm. torturing those those husbands and things like that what a horrible human being but maybe if we put the effort into that to solve and, and prevent these boogeymen there out in the out there we might put a dent into this a serious dent in this and you know, mm-hmm. we're no longer at the golden age of serial killers, and DNA turned that. So, you know, I would like to keep that going. See that keep on going. Well, Barbara, if you had to summarize, uh, you know,
1: all the excitement and um, kind of the feelings that you went through as you were uh, actually helping solve this uh, Golden State Killer case, uh, how would you do it?
2: Partly, it was a feeling of of relief, but just that. Finally, we're able to to get this guy. Just going to the sentencing and hearing all the victim impact statements, it was emotionally truly exhausting. And you've got this person up there who's pretending that he's this feeble old man. And it was just, there was everything about him was just so... Unrepentant, I guess is the right word i mean he he mouthed some words about remorse, but they, they you could see that they didn't that he didn't mean them and you've got all these people that he has hurt he has destroyed their lives, you know so many of his victims you know they ended up with you know the typical problems that people who've been raped have with alcohol and drugs and broken marriages and just basically their lives just completely turned upside down. And here's this person up there masquerading as some feeble old man when they've got pictures of him doing burpees in his cell. Um, You know, it's just, it's just ridiculous. Um, So a lot of it was just, I guess, a feeling of just relief that we would, we had managed to finally put a a name to this guy.
1: Yeah. Wow. I really appreciate that. It's, of the cases that I've been involved with and especially that, uh, the MVAC has helped solve. It's just for, for us, it's just been this just absolute elation Mm -hmm. that the thought of not only getting, you know, one of these suspects and, and the Golden State killer case, man, this guy's just a absolute monster, get him off the street and deal him a little bit of justice. But more importantly, I think is the fact that the victims, now can hopefully start start the healing process, and possibly even you know the justice that that they find will will help them in the future so well,
2: yeah guys, I, any- I think what came out of that was very mm-hmm. much the victims talking about how basically for forty years you know he would call them and threaten to come and kill them uh, after the fact some of them years and years and years after the <sighs> fact, so these people had all been living for basically forty something years. In fear, he was going to come back and kill them. Suddenly, that was gone.
0: Wow. And, and additionally, th- what you did was you told them, you, you're not forgotten. We remember you mm-hmm. and we're going to do the right thing in all these years later. Mm-hmm. So it's got to be a tremendous mm-hmm. gift.
2: It is an amazing gift. And we, I see it also with unidentified remains. I worked on a case. Um, this was actually out of Henderson, Nevada. And the detective told me when he called. So we identified this this woman whose body had been found. And so when he called her sister, her comment was, she'd been doing this now for, I think, it was, I think this was like another 40-year-old cold case, 41, 42 years. She said, you know, I can finally stop every time I go past a homeless shelter, going in and looking for my sister. Wow. I can't imagine what it must be like, you know, not to know what's happened to somebody and you just keep hoping.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Uh, yeah the the human turmoil and and just expenditure of emotions and and tragedies it, it's just incredible that it's it's out there and and it's it's by a relatively small percentage of society that's that's mm-hmm. causing all this pain and so every time we take one of these monsters off the street and put them in where they belong then you know that that alleviates just a massive amount of you know all sorts of anxiety and tension and uh, fear and uh, just anger sadness all these things are are alleviated or at least people can start like I said the 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 healing process Mm -hmm. and that's and that that healing is is generational and, and it can continue on for a long long time so well guys any last words
2: I would like to ask your listeners or your watchers, if they want to help law enforcement, if they have not already done DNA testing, if they would go test at one of the testing companies, doesn't matter which one, and then that they would download their DNA profile and upload it to both GEDmatch and Family Tree DNA. Those are the two sites that we're able to use for doing forensic cases. Uh, So that would be a huge help. You do need to opt into law enforcement matching. But if people would do that, that could help tremendously.
1: Oh, absolutely. And Barbara, are there any, if, if people have cases that they want to ha- have you help them with, is there a way to reach you?
2: So it, it has to be law enforcement. But yeah, they can reach me. Either they can Google Firebird Forensics or that should actually get them to our website. And there's a, a uh, link on there to send me an email if they want help with a case.
1: Fantastic. And, and last thing, um, the sites that they can go to to get their DNA, can you just, I, I don't know if you know them all, but list the, the major ones?
2: Sure. The, the majors, major ones are, of course, Family Tree DNA, uh, Ancestry, 23andMe, and My MyHeritage. Uh, there's also one, it's actually a UK company, Living DNA, but you can test at any, any of the companies and you can upload to JetMatch. So it doesn't matter which one you go to. But that That's be really fantastic. Cool that would do that.
1: Yeah. No. It. It can solve one case. It can solve a hundred. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Guys, it's it's been an absolute pleasure. And Barbara, I, I really appreciate you coming on the show and uh, and sharing your story. It's been well, awesome. Thank
2: you. thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Oh my! It's our pleasure. Yeah. Congratulations well, me- on the book, by the way. That's uh awesome.
2: Oh well, thank you.
1: Yeah, and we'll we'll definitely have all the links to uh, your book and and you know the stories and things in the show notes so again thank you for coming on the show Very thank you. thanks for joining us your attention today brings us one step closer to exposing and eliminating the evil that brings crime to our communities hit subscribe and share this episode together we will bring justice to every victim